0: great to see uh, many of you here tonight for our Good Friday service. Uh, the title of the sermon is Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. We'll look at John chapter 6 verses 48 through 59. It's uh, it's great to see many of you, it's probably the uh, most of our church that we've gathered together in the sanctuary in over a year, and so it's just great to see you, but uh, we had no idea how many people would come to this worship service, and so we prepared one tray for communion, and I think we're good right now, because uh, I counted roughly about uh, a little up, less than 40, which is what one tray holds, and so... We have to pray that no one else comes during the sermon. Um, John chapter 4, 6 I mean, uh, 48 through 59. 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is a bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Not like the bread, the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather together tonight and remember this day. We thank you for uh, what happened on this day many, many years ago. And uh, we thank you that we can um, receive the benefits of Christ's death on the cross. Help us to see Christ tonight through your word. Pray that your spirit would use the word of God and minister it to our minds and our hearts. Pray that you would use the Lord's table to impart to us your grace that you so abundantly desire to give us. And help us to experience your love, your blessings, in a renewed way that causes us to commit ourselves to you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So obviously today is Good Friday. It's a day that Jesus died on the cross. Um, Matthew 27, verse 45 tells us, that it was from the sixth hour until the ninth hour that darkness came over the land. So from about noon to three in the afternoon, when there should have been light, there was darkness. And what happened in those three hours changed history for all of eternity. Jesus took God's wrath on himself during those hours. He paid for our sins. So that we might have life. And uh, it's important that we remember that. Like we talked about last Sunday. In the Old Testament, God gave His people ordinances. To commemorate year after year certain events. He gave them specific instructions on what they're to do on those days. And He said, this is so that you won't forget the Lord. When... When I bless you with the land of Canaan, the land is flowing with milk and honey and all kinds of things, and you prosper. After I give you those blessings so that you won't forget the Lord. He says, do this, remember, do this and commemorate these events so that you will remember and not forget. And of course, when God says to remember, it's not just to remember in our heads. You know, like we don't gather here so that Oh yeah, Jesus died for me on this day. And we remember in our heads. But remembering is to happen in our hearts. This is so that we will remember in our hearts that He's the one who loves our souls. We're so prone to forget that. We think other things will love us more or other people will love us more. But we want to remember that He's the lover of our souls. It's so that we'll remember that the Father was willing to sacrifice His one and only Son so that He can have us, so that we'll remember in our hearts that the Son voluntarily sacrificed Himself as the Lamb of God and died for our sins. And that's what we, what we want to do here tonight. We want to remember, remember so that our hearts will not forget so that our hearts will love him as we should. We want to remember so that he can be adored and worshipped from our hearts every moment of our lives. Today is Good Friday. It's the day that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we want to remember that. We'll do that through looking at this passage and, and, you know, obviously this is in the order of the the series that we've been going on and and, uh, perfectly fits with what we want to talk about on Good Friday. So first, let's have two points. Uh, First, we want to talk about when Jesus says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. So we ended last week with verse 48 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So we talked about last week how Jesus gave an invitation for the people to believe in him because he's the bread of life. And now he continues, like he's unfolding more and more. He continues to explain what it means that he's the bread of life. And he goes on to this uh, eating his flesh kind of language. And I'll read again from verse 49. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is a bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. So he's saying, you're asking for bread that is like manna so that you can eat it always. Remember, they were filled with the the feeding of the 5,000 miracle and they were happy about that and that's why they're following Jesus. So you're asking for bread that's like manna, but your fathers ate that manna and they died. The bread I'm talking about, Jesus says, is better. You'll eat it and not die. 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So this is why he's called the bread of life, the living bread, because whoever eats of this bread will live forever. But as he says this, now he introduces a new idea. It's been kind of a long discourse But now he introduces a new idea. He says, the bread is my flesh. The word flesh reminds us of John chapter 1, verse 14, when John said, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. So he was talking about the eternal word of God, who was in the beginning with God and was God, this word of God became flesh. So when Jesus says, this bread is my flesh, he's talking about the incarnate word of God, God in the form of a human being. And he says, the bread which, I, which is my flesh, he says, I give for the life of the world. And here he reveals one more new idea that he hadn't talked about yet. He's referring to the vicarious nature of the life-giving bread. The incarnate word of God, the God of infinite worth, will voluntarily sacrifice himself on the cross for the life of the world. I am the bread of life. I'm giving you my flesh. I'll give it for the life of the world. Of course, As Jesus says this, the Jews had no idea. Verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Of course, they didn't take it literally, like to actually eat his flesh. So they probably argued among themselves with their own theories of what this probably meant. Verse 53, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So this language was confusing to the crowd, but Jesus obviously was speaking metaphorically. It's a metaphor even... Uh, that we use today. For example, we say things like we devour uh, books, for example, we chew on an idea, we eat our own words. So Jesus was using this metaphor to describe what he had already actually explained. Back in, back in verse 35, he said, "I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, right? whoever comes to me shall not hunger." Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So eating the flesh is nothing more than coming to Jesus. Drinking his blood is to believe in him. Remember that this account takes place at Passover, and that's what Jesus had in mind. Jesus anticipates the time when he will become the Passover lamb of God, when he will be sacrificed for the sins of of the world. So he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, which I'm giving to you. He's saying, look on the son and believe in him that you may live and not die. Again, Jesus gives the invitation to the crowd that anyone who would believe on him would have eternal life. Secondly, We'll look at the phrase when Jesus says, abides in me and I in him. Abides in me and I in him. He continues on, verse 55, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. You see, up to now, it seemed like Jesus was addressing just a curious crowd, you know, A curious crowd that probably was following him for the wrong reasons. And up to now, we might hear what Jesus is teaching and we think, oh, okay, so this is how you can have eternal life. And we can easily think that eternal life is like just a goal or a destination. And we can kind of take it like that, Jesus is saying, do this, believe in me, eat my flesh, drink my blood, so you can have eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day and we think, oh, that's just a goal for a destination that we should have or something like that. But now what Jesus says here kind of um, has a little more of a personal tone, right? As he says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This word abide is actually common in John's Gospel. He uses it to characterize the relationship between the Father and the Son and also to characterize our relationship, the follower's relationship with Jesus. For example, in John chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So this word abide seems to be a very loaded word in John because Jesus talks about abiding in his love, abiding in his word, abiding in him. So I think when Jesus, what Jesus is saying here, when he says, whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, whoever comes to me and believes in me, abides in me, I think what he's saying here is that this is the pathway of having a real relationship with Jesus. Eat my flesh, drink my blood, meaning come to me, believe in me, and through this, you can have a real relationship with Jesus. And what kind of relationship is this? Just as the Father, just as the Father and the Son have this mutual indwelling relationship, as he says, my fa- like, I, I keep my Father's commands and abide in His love. Just as the Father and the Son have a mutual indel- indwelling relationship, we can have a real, that kind of abiding in Christ, being in His love, being in His Word, abiding in Christ relationship with Jesus. It's a mutual relationship where we, on our part, choose to trust in His Word and he is with us, helping us, blessing us. A loaded word, but he says, abide in me and I in you. So it seems like there's kind of this uh, dual effect. Dual effect from this bread of life discourse. The p- people, There are people there. There are different kinds of people there. And the people who are following Jesus just for the bread, they're saying, at this point, they're saying, I didn't sign up for this. And they end up going away from Jesus. But for the people who the Father will to give to His Son, as we talked about last week, they hear these words, and this is actually what their hearts have been longing for the most. There's nothing more that they want than to come to Jesus and abide in Him. And that leads us to what Jesus says next in verse 57. It says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. So God is the living Father who has life in himself. And Jesus says, I live because the Father who has life in himself has granted that the Son also has life in himself. And he says, now in a similar way, the son who has life in himself gives life to those who feed on Jesus. And that's what he means when he says, he will live because of me. Now, follow me here. Just a little earlier in verse 56, Jesus said, Whoever feeds on my flesh, drinks my blood, abides in me and I in him. Right? That abiding relationship abides in me and I in him. And here, Jesus says, whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. So that means to abide in him and to live because of him are the same things. If we truly abide in him, that means I live because of him. If we abide in not him and anything else, that means I live because of something else other than Jesus. I was thinking about the words, these three words, because of me, right? When Jesus says he will live because of me. Those words, because of me. Like, is that really true? Of me. Can it be said of me that I live because of Jesus? That's a good question to ask ourselves today. The day that we commemorate the event that we claim is the most important event in history. Can it be said of me that I live because of Jesus? And we need to ask ourselves that because if we're honest, we often try so hard to find life apart from Jesus. We try so hard to pursue happiness in our lives, right? Because our, our, our thinking and our philosophy is if we don't really, you know, have happiness, then is, is life truly worth living? Life is only worth living if there's some happiness, if I'm happy living this life. And so we pursue it. Some of us live for so many other things, like our marriage. So many married people live for their marriage. Or they find life in their children. Because of my family I live. try so hard, so many different ways to try to find life apart from Jesus. This is something that I used to do with my youth group students a long time ago when I was a youth group pastor. Um, And I'll just just do it here. I want to ask you to identify three things in your mind that are most important to you. Three things. It could be family. For many people it's family. Career. Maybe something you own. Or something you do. A passion of yours. Or a hobby of yours. Three things. Identify in your mind. Something that is the, the top three most important to you. And, and hopefully Jesus is one of those three. So identify that in your mind. And this is this exercise only works if you actually do it. So if you're just looking at me right now, it's not going to work for you. Identify three things. And no one's going to know. You're not going to share with anyone. It's just between you and you. Identify three things that you can, like right now you'd say like, I live for this or I can't live without this. Right? Like if this was removed from my life, it would destroy me. What are those three things? I would get into like serious some sort of like my life would be flipped upside down if I didn't have one of these three things or it was taken away. So hopefully you've identified three. Now out of those three you have to eliminate one. You got to do it. I mean, otherwise this doesn't work. That one thing or person is no longer a part of your life. You know, God forbid that that would happen, but it, it's, it's happened. And in your life, you're think, in your mind, you're thinking, now that is not a part of my life. You're down to two. And hopefully Jesus is still in the running there. And you know what's coming next. Out of those two, now you have to get rid of one more. So you're down to one. You know, just hypothetically, like if it's a person, there was a sickness and they're they're, they're no longer there. If it was a certain ambition, you now no longer have the ability to attain it is no longer a part of your life, like it's just it's gone. Okay. What is it that now remains as a number one priority in your heart? Now if that one remaining thing, if that is your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, then that's who you love more than anything else. If it's something else, you're being honest, and if it's something else, that's the idol in your heart over Jesus. That's what you're abiding in. That's what you're trying to find life in. You know, this past year, it's obviously been a a real test for, for all of us in many ways. It's been a test of our perseverance. It's been a test of our character in many ways. It's tested our hope and our joy. Our sanity, perhaps. Nothing's been normal. And so many things have been thrown off course in our lives. And this past year has also been a test of our faith. And with all the different things that we've gone through, the different challenges that we face, this is a time that's really challenged many of our our spiritual disciplines of prayer, of being in the Word of God. And in many ways, it's challenged even our very identity as followers of Jesus Christ. Where we can even ask ourselves, what really distinguishes me as I live my life today, right now, the way that I live my life from my unbelieving neighbor. And I think this is a time when we know what we truly love or who we truly love. It makes me think about that one breakfast, one morning at the seashore, after the resurrection, after Peter's worst failure, Jesus met him with the question, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? After his worst failure, after he thought to himself, even if all fall away, I never will. Even if he and he and all of they deny you, you can count on me, I never will. But that's exactly what he did. And after his worst failure, Jesus meets him with the simple question, do you truly love me more than these, more than whatever, anything? And perhaps that's a question that Jesus is asking us. Today, these days, Again, the bread of life discourse had an effect of dividing the people in the crowd. Some went away from Jesus after they heard these things. But for others, they heard these words. And this is what they wanted to hear. This is what they longed for. They longed to abide in Christ. And for him to abide in them. And as Jesus comes to us with that question, Do you love me more than these? Can that be the declaration of our hearts? Lord, I love you. I will follow you. Even if Christian life is not the way that I've known it, even if my community is taken away from me, even if I'm struggling with isolation and loneliness, I love you more than anything else in my life. I love you no matter what. May that be the declaration of our hearts. I want to abide in you and have life that is truly life because of Jesus. Let's pray together. Let's just take a moment and pray and use this time to remember, to truly remember in our hearts that he's the one who longs for our souls and that's why God gave his son on the cross. That's why Jesus gave up his life on the cross for our sins. And may that be the ambition and the longing in our hearts to genuinely come before the Lord and say, it's because of Jesus. I live because of Jesus. My life is because of Jesus. I want nothing more than to abide in him. Let's pray for a moment. Uh, We're going to need a few minutes to set up for communion, so let's just pray for a moment and as we prepare for that. Father, we thank you for your word. uh, We thank you that um, the eternal word of God, the second person of the Trinity, was in the beginning with God and was God, actually wants to abide in us through the Holy Spirit. Thank you for that amazing privilege and blessing that we have because of what happened on the cross Mm -hmm. so many years ago. Pray that you would allow that truth to deeply sink within our hearts that we will remember and help us to live our lives because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, and we pray. right together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the torn flesh and the spilled blood. We thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, in the cross for our sins. We thank you for uh, the continual forgiveness that we receive, even after we chase, after life and many other things over and over again. We thank you that Jesus meets us at the seashore, asking us repeatedly, do you truly love me? Over and over again, uh, second, third, fourth chance, uh, endless forgiveness that comes because of Jesus Christ. We pray that as we uh, experience and feel, even in these elements, a God who gave himself so that he can abide with us, wants to dwell with us, and wants a relationship with us, Pray that it would just overwhelm our hearts to want the same, to want to abide in you, to live our lives because of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen us. Meet us with grace. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay. Well, closing prayer. Um, I remember uh, a long time ago, someone asked the question, like if if God took you and transplanted you from where you are right now and took you to a uh, closed country, you know, one of those places where it's like, you know, point point three percent Christian, you know, where people believe in other gods or don't believe in God at all or something like that. If God transplanted you from here and plucked you out and put you in that kind of situation, Remember, someone asked the question, could you survive? Okay. As a Christian, could you survive? Um, not only can you survive, but can you actually be the the agent, the hands and feet, the heart and eyes and heart of Jesus Christ that changes that, that place? Okay. And uh, I think, you know, the question is asking... Um, is, is Jesus real in your heart? Is uh, Christianity something that's circumstantial for you? Or because, like, you know, half the people in society profess Christ and um, you have all these Christians around you telling you this and that and that you should do this and that. Is that why you're Christian? Or is, is Jesus real in such a way that no matter where, where God puts, puts you, you can actually be the one that changes that place and influences others? Um, and uh, one thing that we know even if something like that was to happen even if circumstances change and we find ourselves in a completely foreign place where the name of Jesus Christ is foreign one thing that we do know is that Jesus still died on the cross the Father God sent Jesus to the cross out of his great love for us We know that through his sacrificial death, we are forgiven of our sins, and our eternity is forever changed. None of that changes, no matter what the circumstances are. And that's the reality for us today. No matter how easy or hard, what challenges that we face, the truth of the gospel is real. And that's why we gathered here tonight to remember what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. May that truth reign in our hearts that it would be the greatest desire that we have to daily abide in Him and live our lives because of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your eternal Word um, spoken to us that we might understand and live by it. We thank You for Your eternal Word visually demonstrated for us on earth and the incarnate second person of the trinity thank you for his atoning work sacrifice that he took our place on the cross that we can receive forgiveness and grace that we can have confidence as we come to you no matter what we've been through this past year no matter what the condition of our hearts are every single day is a new day when we can draw near to you and abide in christ thank you lord for your great love for your unending grace in our lives Help us, Lord, to continually walk with Christ throughout this week, and may there be a great revival and celebration within our hearts as we anticipate the resurrection of Christ on Sunday. Thank you, Lord. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, this unchanging, covenant love of the Father God, and the fellowship, the strength, the power of the Holy Spirit be with you, both now and forever. Amen.